Hello and welcome to the Fintech Australia podcast, Finney Special, presented by Tier 1 People, leaders in Fintech executive search. With the help of the Victorian government, Bogus and BPay, we're bringing you Australia's largest and most prestigious Fintech awards yet. We want you to tune in and pick the winners. And this year, you can join in virtually, in person, or host your own office party. So wherever you are, let's come together and recognize the amazing people Aussie FinTech is renowned for. Registration for the awards event is now open. Go to thefinnies.org.au. Hello, and welcome to the Finney's Award podcast presented by FinTech Australia. My name is Rebecca Shotguppy, and I am your host for the Female FinTech Leader of the Year podcast series. Welcome to the show, Jill, and congrats to everyone at Attitree for making it as finalist to this year's Finney's. Oh, thanks, Beck. Nice to, nice to be here. Um, we're here to talk about your nomination, though, as the Female FinTech Leader of the Year. So I'll get straight into the first question. Um, it would be great for you to share your story to our listeners. First up, let's talk about how Attitree was founded. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually never planned on being a female founder, um, but have absolutely just fell into it. Um, so my background is uh, I've always worked in product development and financial services, uh, like tier three organizations, and I love problems uh, problem solving with unique solutions for customers. Um so the just that would be like developing new products, uh, like deposit products, new cards, loan products. Um, about five years ago, I went from AMP Bank over to Tyro to um, work on their banking license, their first business deposit product, and their first business loan product. So that was uh, that's before starting a bank really got trendy. So <laughs> helping Tyro to get their full ADI that was really interesting. Um, I thought that building a bank was really interesting and difficult. Um, then we, then I went over to Volt um, to be on the founding team over there. And then after Volt, we uh, that was really interesting. Uh, that was consumer instead of SME. Um, and I actually brought um, my Adatrade co-founder over to Volt with me as well, uh, over there as well. So I was the first product hire, and then he was the first engineering hire over there. So building a second bank is also pretty tough with the new um, the, with the new ready licensing. So we love the idea of getting rid of legacy tech, getting rid of legacy thinking, and just having new technology for awesome solutions for customers. So we love that idea, and that's what we've really been brought into. But then we we went to the release of like the open banking review um, by Scott Farrell. When I started to read it, I literally brought it camping with me and couldn't put it down. I was like, this is so cool for what you can actually do with open banking, with the consumer data right. But man, this is actually going to be super hard. Um, fast forwarded some of the standards, the rules um, that came out. I actually like read it overnight on like a 14-hour flight from the U.S. to Australia. I just read it like the Harry Potter book. Um, just some casual light reading there, Joe. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Things that normally put everyone to sleep. I just like literally stayed up all night reading it. So I'm like, all right, this is really, really hard um, to participate to in, in open banking. It's like, it's pretty difficult. And a lot of the standards were the same as actually building a bank. So I'm like, all right, cool. 
we love the idea of what the CDR can bring. We have experience in like with a lot of these technical and security standards, and there's no solution in the market right now. So let's go sell this. So we did that. Uh, talked to a bunch of people who are also uh, ex Tyro or still at Tyro at the time. It was like, right, this is our vision. Let's be part of open banking. Let's um, let's bring consumer data right to all organizations. So that's what we essentially intended. Um, that's what we really wanted to do, and that's what we have done. So it's been awfully exciting. So we're just driven by problem solution and our drive for better consumer outcomes. Awesome. And so what is the big problem your company solves here? Yep. So the problem is that it's quite challenging to meet the technical and security um, standards for being a part of the consumer data right ecosystem. That means sharing data holder or sharing data as a data holder or receiving data as a data recipient. Um, so we essentially abstract or we create an abstraction layer from that. So it's really easy to participate. Um, because it's not just about building it and accreditation, but it's already about the three-year roadmap um, that's been published already about all of the constant changes to the customer experience guidelines, standards, um, and, and, and all the rules that you have to keep up with. So instead of having teams of engineers and designers, product owners, BAs, um, to like to build and maintain this, you essentially use Adatree. We have everything you need, one API, and we've automated all of our deployment. So you can have it deployed, configured, um, and integrated to one API in about a day. So it's essentially like licensing PowerPoint instead of building it. Amazing. And who are your customers at the moment or who are your ideal customers? Yeah, absolutely. So right now we're working with fintechs, banks, um, and uh, yeah, we're working on two case studies that are going to be coming out soon, um, one with an early accredited fintech and one with a um, one with a lender. So we're pretty excited about those. But um, so it's definitely people in financial services or companies in financial services, um, insurance, fintech, uh, fintech, banks, lenders, um, super, but then also going outside of financial services like government, energy, loyalty. So yeah, lots of different sectors. Jill, you've been nominated for Female Fintech Leader of the Year. What is your approach to leadership and how does it influence your actions and activities in your business? Yeah, I think that a lot of my, like, my approach to leadership is really driven by values and ethics. And a lot of that has been influ influenced by um, the leaders that I've had in my, in my life who have really shaped me. Um, one is a former CRO at AMP Bank. Um, one's actually my my dad. He ran a forty person business, um, small business growing up, and um, also like one of the one of the founders of Tyro as well. So I think that from learning about like you know everyone's approaches because you only really realize what leadership is when you have really good leadership and when you have some pretty poor leadership, um, and it influences what you want to be. Um, so I think that I definitely have a couple of values that definitely influence um, like how we act in the business. Absolutely. So I think that like my approach to leadership is absolutely, you know, it's, it's bottom up. There's, you know, check your ego at the door. Um, everyone's always hand, like hands in on, on absolutely everything. Um, and like where you're only as strong as the weakest link in your team. So just making sure that everyone has a great attitude um, that, but you actually have, really, really open, um, relationships and people feel like they can, um, 
that they can say whatever they want. Because it's one thing for me to say, cool, this is our new direction, this is our new priority. But if they don't feel like they can actually challenge it and have a voice, then it, it definitely doesn't work out for the best. Um, I think that another value that we really have is just being brave. Um, I feel like, you know, we're, we're trying to do something that no one's ever really done in Australia before. And it also says a lot for leadership for, you know, when I'm convincing other people to quit their really stable jobs and build something that's brand new. And we have really uncertain outcomes as well. Um, so just trying to be brave about this, focus on the outcome that we really want to deliver on about like our mission and vision um, and just and just focus on that, realizing there's absolutely going to be uncertainty, but we have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable um, and then just give it our absolute best go. Um, and then when giving it our best go, we have to act with integrity. Um, that's acting with our partners, with ourselves, um, uh, with investors and absolutely with customers. Um, yeah, even like I, I love the idea of like saying exactly where our software is at. Um, I feel like we've definitely been burnt with other places that, you know, um, being in other roles when you're sold something that's actually not built. So I think that we try to have integrity in everything that we really do. Um, and that, that definitely influences our actions from, you know, like who we decide to actually be a partner with or who we decide to step away from. Um, and actually just focusing on like what's our priority for like for uh, for us um, and how like how we can actually like, de like deliver on change for consumers as well. I think that having our mission and vision um, and some of our values that drives us. And even when we're considering like going through with something, we're like, all right, does this actually align to our values? And we like we check each other on that for sure. Amazing. And so what initiatives have you developed as a leader in your business and what was the success of these initiatives? <laughs> uh, starting it? <laughs> um, yeah. You're only about a year old now, right? Uh, no, we've been going since May last year. Okay, so a year and a bit. So you're nearly 18 months in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, I, everything from really, you know, deciding that this is what we're going to do, um, having having our hypotheses, um, doing our research on Open Baking in the UK, talking to data recipients over there, understanding the problem, um, defining our target market, our target customer for a data holder and for data recipients, um, figuring out what their problems are and always asking about that, um, building something, getting, getting our first, getting our first customer. Um, turns out that was harder than I actually um, thought because there's a lot of companies who called themselves early adopters, but the ones that who are just like, right, I'm going to be the first, like the, that's a really, really good partnership. Um, and yeah, I think there's been lots of partnerships, um, customers, and lots of developments along the way. So from just an idea to execution and just building with a lot of momentum right now, um, I think that we've actually had a pretty good, pretty good go so far. <laughs> and I'm really, really proud of our progress. Well, you've got a great partnership with AWS that I know of. Um, AWS is one of our partners as well. And I know that you're on network and banking services is that correct uh yes yeah we have a great relationship with aws um they're very very helpful for our, with us and our platform is actually um aws native um and built yeah and and built on there so we, we have a great relationship with them 
So the last question for today, what is your, what is a major obstacle you and your business has overcome? Um, yeah, so major obstacles that we've really overcome. Um, turns out that building the tech isn't the hardest part about building a tech company. Who knew? Um, I would say that some of the hardest parts would be more like the, like the people part of it and um, the, the COVID side, of course. Um, the COVID, you know, we are going along really nicely with open banking discussions. Um, and then, of course, when that had opened, like being a data recipient was not essential. So then that totally uh, threw us off that no one really wanted to talk about being a data recipient anymore. Um, so I think that that was definitely challenging. Um, and we, like, we still ended up finding like business during that time. Um, we've absolutely stabilized and we've now like growth is happening um, quite rapidly, but it was a fair amount of uncertainty um, during that time. But luckily we still ended up building and like coming out with a ready product at the end of it. Um, another part, um, another challenge is um, I would say definitely the, the people part of it. It was just figuring out um, who, you know, who we're actually partners with, um, whether about exclusivity, different um, reseller distribution channels, um, you know, whether we, uh, focus on distribution externally or have it internal as well. I think that those type there's no, you know, there's no right answer. Um, and then we just kind of learning as we go, but also having some great inputs from some of our advisors as well. So when it's really black and white, like, like <laughs> building to standards, you know, it's, it's definitely more simple, but it's all about the gray. Um, but we always make sure that we do a retro, a debrief, and that we always write down all of our learnings from different obstacles um, you know, whether it's, whether it's a, a failed RFP or, you know, if we decide to say no to a partner or something. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we always try to make um, obstacles and challenges into learning. So we're all better for it in the end. Jill, thank you so much for joining us today and good luck to Ada Tree in the finals. If you'd like to join the celebrations on the night, go to thefinnies.org.au. And a big shout out to the Victorian government, BPAY and Vocus as our main sponsors. They're, they are helping make this year's Finneys the biggest yet. Also, a special thank you to Seedspace for sponsoring the Female Fintech Leader of the Year Award. <laughs>